Do you have a story to tell? Yes. Do you want to be heard? Yes. Do you want to say your name? No. Do you want to say your age? No. Do you want to say which pronoun you use to identify yourself? I use she. Do you want to say where you grew up? Yes, I grew up in the Philippines. I am the oldest in my family and I have one sibling. When my family was still in the province, my dad had to look for employment opportunities and to find that we had to live in the city and ever since then I've been living in the biggest city in the Philippines which is called Quezon City and I am privileged and thankful uh, ever since coming in the city I have been studying in a private school that had given me a lot of opportunities to see and have more perspectives in the world. very grateful to have you today um i know you wanted to do it but there was so much work <laughs> school work to do before uh finally taking the time so thank you for for taking the time and uh, just before the end of school thank you we're happy happy to have you at youth with a story to tell how are you I'm very good. The school is almost ending and I will finally have a little bit of time to rest and to give myself more mindful moments and actually breathe in and just have more time with me, my family and my friends in the Philippines. Excellent. Let's do a, let's do a check-in. Okay. Like we do in the family group, you're quite familiar with this. Yes. Um, so the check-in is sharing a plus and a minus uh, of the last day, week, or in the life in general. So sharing a highlight and a low light, just to say wh how we feel right now. How is our life? Okay. Uh, first, my plus is that I was able to do all almost all of my requirements for DP1, which is a great breather. And yesterday I was able to talk with my family and they were actually able to surprise me by saying that after two to three days of lining up, they were able to get a vaccine already. Wow. I know. It is very comforting because it's also kind of a worry for me because it's just my family in there and I'm not in there. Mm -hmm. But hearing that news, it was, I, I, I felt a lot of relief and a little low light for me for this past few weeks, even though the school year is ending and I can finally have some rest. It means that I have to say goodbye to some people, some people that I will never see again. But mm. hopefully wherever it is in the world, I can 
be able to have an interaction and be able to catch up again. Yeah. And this year was really fun, but I think that it went a little too fast. Yeah, and it was disrupted in so many ways. Yes. Uh, I think there's a lot of um, students who, well, around the world, all students yeah. were affected by the pandemic in different ways. You mentioned something that I think many UWC, if not most, UWC students can relate to is the fact that you're far from your family and during this pandemic, depending on the country, there might have been bigger challenges depending where you're from. And the situation in the Philippines, I'm not uh, really aware compared to other places, but um, I hear that it's um, a very good news that your family is getting the vaccine now. And I'm also happy to hear that. Yes, thank mm -hmm. you. It was kind of hard for them. Mm -hmm. They had to get a lot of requirements which they did not know beforehand. And they it took them like almost 36 hours to finally get it. They wow. go of to waiting. the center. Then after a whole day of waiting, they go back to the house again. Then go oh to the center God. again. It was really hard. And finally, when they said it, I'm like, oh, finally. It was a breather. Because like, even though they're waiting for the vaccine and they're just lining up, they're still like kind of an uncertainty like we don't know what's happening around them so yeah. finally at least there's some like a comfort that they were able to get it and they're pretty much safe hopefully from what is happening yeah safer maybe yep okay what is a minus if um, you have one to share you don't have to um minus Right now, I feel that since school year is coming way, is closing way too fast, I feel like I need to say goodbye. I, say, I need to say my goodbyes again, right, right. which in a UWC is really hard, especially if you get really close to a lot of people and saying goodbye. It never ends in a UWC. Yeah. It's like... <laughs> kind of always it, it, Yeah. <laughs> like, it's part of it. But, like, even though I know that I have to say it in the end, like, it's still kind of, like, a minus for me because I have no choice but to say goodbye. Mm. But it's... There's also, like, a little plus to it because you can always look forward to when you will see again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I mentioned to uh, some students while the grade 12s were leaving and there was a lot of sadness, yes. which is understandable. But I didn't. I had a discussion with one student saying, you know, it's healthy sadness because it means that um, you, you feel something for the people you're leaving. And it's not that you don't want to leave, but you don't want to leave them necessarily. Yeah. And it might take time before you see them again. And we're not sure because we're literally going in the four corners of the world like everywhere it can be every, everywhere um yeah it's it's challenging it's um, it but it's part of our reality and i i think we embrace the fact that we get to meet these people from all over the world and interact with them but also live with them 
yeah. which which brings the experience to another level we're not just in the classroom with them we're all living here together and it intensifies i believe the relationship to a certain extent with some people yes and it gives you time to actually share your own story and hear also from other people mm. which i think is one of the most beautiful aspect of being in a uwc and i really love it true speaking of which how does your story start my story start started when i lived in the city i went to a school and in that school i was lucky enough to have an opportunity to be able to teach young out of school students and i think and i know in myself that's the time that i started to have my passion and it sparked my passion for leadership and volunteering uh just to get some uh, perspective here why are the children out of school in the situation of that city in the philippines what's the name of the city again the city is called payatas 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 yes and in the philippines it's labeled as the garbage dump of the philippines um okay yep during fourth grade it was in the school i was not able to go to where they live first but every saturday our school was organizing a little um a little class for them we organize each class will organize at least classes for english math and filipino which is our own language and we also try to get donations from students and parents such as paper envelopes pencil colors that we will give to the students we welcome them as students of the school if ever you're assigned in one class you will be assigned to them until they're in grade six already and during fourth grade i think my students were in third grade and in that school i stayed until 10th grade so i was able to actually see them until mm. they graduated middle school right right, right. Yeah. for the mm. philippines uh, middle school will be from first to sixth grade and high school will be from seventh to tenth grade so it's kind of different from the ones that is in the United States in right. different parts of yeah, the world. Yeah. Their model. Okay, so coming back to uh, the question that I asked, wh why are the students not going to school and are taken? How does that work basically? So the reason why they're not in school, but also why does your school take care of them? I'm not, and I'm asking this just yeah. like how it happens. Okay, yeah. so. Payatas, which is what people call the garbage dump of the Philippines. The main job or the main job of the people there is chiefly recycling. Uh, in the Philippines, there is a lot of plastic uh, that is being used. And in that place, there is a lot of recycling centers. And in the Philippines, the process that we follow is that if you give out um, 
plastic bags that for example for one kilogram it will you can exchange it for one pesos one peso or two peso which is the money in the philippines Mm -hmm. and this for these people who are living in payatas they collect the plastic that is getting delivered from them from the garbage trucks and this recycled plastic they will give it to the to the recycling set centers and from that they will have their own money and from what i've heard from the students that i actually teach they told me that instead of being in school where they need to actually spend money why don't they just spend uh plastics that after in the end of the day they will they will it will give money back to their family hmm. so so there are children who uh who i mean at a very young age they they're basically working yes they're, they're basically thinking of how to bring money home not about going going to school yes and so and they're Filipinos um, who come from certain neighborhood uh, how who are they because I'm, I'm asking because I'm thinking of um, <clears throat> how does it happen in a society where there's people who don't have the right to education or don't have access to it you know and and through your school you're saying which is a private school they do but they why don't like the public schools don't welcome these people these children they do but the problem like what i told you a while ago is that sometimes these children decide for themselves to just not go to school because sometimes they think that going to school They need to buy clothes for themselves. They need to buy books. They need to buy the bags that they actually need to go to school. They will. Uh, re- mm, it okay, will okay, require okay. them to buy food for themselves. But sometimes they think that it's not. It's not worth it, because if they do recycling for a whole day, in the end they will be able to g- get some money yeah. and actually buy that money for food for their own family yeah. so wow yeah and in these places um health care is something that is one of the main problems in the philippines for people who are living for example in payatas for people who are under the line of poverty healthcare is not really accessible for them and one of the main problems is the access to um um contraceptives mm. which is why most of the families who are in this place there are at least 10 members of the family 12 members of the family right, they're big families it is big families and for the parents themselves who have very limited opportunities for them it is hard so for children who are already kind of matured for their age and for the children who can actually see their own reality sometimes they just choose to um they choose to work for their family so they can give more to their younger siblings right. 
which is sometimes always most of the case in the Philippines. And there's actually one song that I don't know if everybody knows, but like it's about a song that about a child who keeps on counting her age. For example, I'm already 15. I'm almost 15, but there's also 15 children in my family. Mm. So how will I sustain for myself? Can my family really feed me, feed us? And how can we go to school all together with this little money and right. with this so many children? Is Wow, it's like an example of uh, extreme urban poverty yeah. that you're talking about that um, that that is very common that is very present yes. in in patayas and isn't there you know what kind of support do they get because it's i mean i i get it the fact that it's not meaningful to go to yes. school because it doesn't bring anything in the now where the now matters we need to eat today yes so of course like i'm not going i'm not getting money uh, going to school but i am if i re recycle yeah. the plastic right but what tell us more about the philippines how what kind of support do they get and then eventually i want to know how you navigate in this world because i'm gonna remind people here that you started the podcast saying that you feel very privileged yeah. and you recognize your privileges and you did this right off the bat yeah. and I find it interesting and very thoughtful actually um, so yeah tell us the what kind of support they get and then how you, okay. you live this yeah, mm. yourself um, the place that I live in the Philippines, which is called Quezon City. It's actually the golden pot for opportunities for a lot of people. It is the most populated city in the Philippines. All people from the provinces who are looking for opportunities go there. We have a lot of tourists going there. So for someone who's thinking, oh, if there's a lot of opportunities, then why is there poverty in there? And I think that poverty is something that people are missing, that they're not actually uh, seeing. It's something that most people actually miss in what my city has. And these people who are living in Payatas, um, it's for some of the parents, they also have construction, um, some of them are construction workers, but one of the main problems is also that the minimum wage in the Philippines is really low. And it's not per hour, it's actually per day. It's not mm -hmm. how, when I was actually talking to some people here about the minimum wages, I was shocked that it was per hour. Because right. from what, I've seen and from what I've learned about in the Philippines, it's actually per day. And this minimum wage is only vary it only varies from six to seven dollars per day. 
and those work last for at least eight to ten hours which is it is very it's so interesting it's like such a detail but it's mm. so interesting i'm i'm re- while you're speaking i'm thinking of tanzania what it was there and i know that it was even calculated in months yes oh like in a month was the minimum wa- uh, that's what i was told mm. in some situations was the minimum wage oh that many tanzanian shillings a month and it's it's a different because what it the difference that i see is that when i'm paid by the hour we count the hours i work in a day but yes. if someone works for the, the the monthly salary and they're paid month by month yes. right um like i was also but the number of hours you work in a mm-hmm. day is not considered yeah it's not valued yes and it it's it's dangerous because um it it i i feel like it's an opportunity for employers to use that and mm-hmm. so you need to finish the job you know you need to keep working we have a deadline and the employer that is not bound by hours might ask the workers to work more and faster mm-hmm. and more in the yeah. day to accomplish what has to be accomplished Whereas the employer who knows pays the employees by hours is counting the money. Yes. The, the more hours there is in the yeah. day, the more money is out. Right? Yep. Wow, yeah. it's, a, it's a very important mm. example that you brought there. Yeah. And for these people, for example, if you're a sales lady, if you're a cashier, if you're a construction worker, the thing is that a lot of companies are making these employees as con- contractual so they can be laid off from work anytime hmm. and i think the worst thing is that if you live on these places there's always that stereotype coming from you and i think this is also what makes it harder for these people to look for opportunities that will open a lot of doors for them because for so many years the only thing that i've heard about payatas it's that it's just a place full of poverty it's just a place of children working recycling it when i first heard it it was like i didn't know there was a place like this because from how i see my city first it was it was like a gold pot there are countless opportunities in there And whenever I hear this place, I did not know that there was this poverty behind it. Mm. Like even coming from the Philippines and hearing about Pattayas. Yes. It, it okay. So the 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 poverty wasn't something that was discussed or something that you thought about. I mean, you were young also. Yes. My understanding. So it was like a revelation. Yeah. Coming from that school, it was my first time to be actually um, exposed to volunteering. And when they told us that they're going to teach these students in a Saturday, most of my classmates already know what will it be for. But for me, I did not know. So I asked about it and they said that 
some of the children that you will be teaching, some of them are out of school, some of them are in public schools, but they but for these students sometimes they don't stay really much longer. Sometimes mm. there are numerous numbers that goes to our class. Sometimes there will be 20 people, sometimes there only there will only be 10. It varies every Saturday. Yeah. And we don't know what is happening in our house. I mean in their house. Yeah. The only thing that we can actually give is to hear their own stories and give the best education that we can to them as students. And it's not only it's not only education that our school is providing for them. Every year we um, organize a daily health checkup for everyone. It it is free. We also give them Christmas parties. Okay. Christmas in the Philippines are really really important. It is something. It is an event that everyone looks forward to, because it is a time for people to be together. But for them, they have to work almost every day hmm. to sustain their families. So sometimes what my school does is that we collect food or we let people donate the food that they want. For example, um, spaghetti sauce, spaghetti noodles that they can cook for themselves at home so they can have their noche buena. Noche buena, it is the midnight of Christmas mm -hmm. where everyone will actually come. And it is a good... Um, it is a good event that our school organizes. So the the school is uh, building and maintaining and nourishing this community with these students. Yes. It's a private school, you said? Yes. Um, why do you think the school is doing that? And, and, and also because you're the ones teaching now. You're a yes. student in the school and you're teaching. Can you tell us more about the approach of the school, the, the mission and, and these, this idea that the students have to go and teach on, on the Saturday when they study the whole week? Yeah. Um, the title or what we call this movement is called Gabay. In English, it's called Guidance. Okay. And the motto of our school is Sapientia et Virtus, which means wisdom coupled with virtues. Um, I at first I don't really know like it like what you said at first it doesn't make sense to me because <laughs> you're working from Monday to Friday and then there will be a Saturday for everyone mm. but then the thing about this is that each grade level in our school at least have eight to ten sections and each one will be what do you mean by sections um, for example, the courses. Um, for no. example, eleven point one, eleven point two, eleven. Oh, the classes. Yes. Sorry, sorry. Yes. The groups per level. Yeah. Okay, yeah. okay. Yeah. There will be at least uh, ten, and each per grade level. Yes, and each of those classes contains at least thirty to forty people. So we have a lot of students in one whole grade level. Yeah. Wow, it's significant. Eh? So what our school does is that they divide us in groups. For example, for this week, um, this particular section will teach grade one 
and then this particular section will teach grade two so it's equal you don't have to go every saturday right. unless you want to volunteer by yourself mm -hmm. you can go and yeah so how did you approach this because it's something okay like it's part of the school it's part of the culture but you're new to this um how old were you do you, you want to say how old you were at that time when you did that i think it was probably oh sorry you don't have to say the age because yeah. i know you didn't mention yeah. but like in the um, um not middle school high school um like grade uh, i was in fourth grade in fourth grade yes wow okay and you're teaching already yes um i think one uh, oh, wow. it, it is um the thing about this is that it's also like I think it helps students to see what the reality is from what is outside of our school because in the cities there's always big buildings but there's always a met uh, there's always that saying that behind those buildings are the small houses hmm. and this build uh, these small houses are being hidden away from these big ones so i think this um move by our school helps actually helps us to see this and build compassion towards our own community and also like it is a big learning experience for everyone in my past school there is not much a lot of extracurriculars For um, in comparison of what we have here, we have a lot of organizations that we work um, outside of our school. But from my past school, it's only that one. So I think that's why the school was able to actually focus on those children that we are teaching and the families that they give um, food and opportunities. Hmm. and so it's so cool like i yeah. it's the first time that i hear that for me I, we call this a primary school mm -hmm. gets involved so yeah. much and i like the fact that it's a private school which is huge it is that takes on the mission to do it and to include maybe marginalized or certainly poorer families yes. in the in the school it kind of I see an intention to uh, bridge the gap and yes. to find balance in quite a meaningful way because as you mm -hmm. said also you're celebrating together you're you're not just uh, saying oh, okay I'm gonna go teach on Saturday you're yes they're part of the community really yes and actually for some of the parents of these children they can go to um, vocational courses in particular days in our school too For example, there was cooking, there was sewing, which is something that I find, which is something I am really proud of because it's not only the children my, my past school was looking after too, it was also the parents. Mm. And even though it's just the little things, I think it's also a big help for them to have these skills and it creates more employment opportunities for them. So how do you tell us about them? Is there someone or a few 
of these students that you mixed more with and you got to know mm. more so that you can get their perspective because they also kind of have a say they they I understand they're there intentionally yes. it's they choose to mm. be there um yeah how to how do they see this collaboration there I have this one boy student I am really close with him I think I've taught him from fourth grade until seventh grade but then during seventh grade I had to go inside so I had to go to Payatas myself so I wasn't able to teach him in school and I remember Wait, I, sorry I don't follow what do you mean that you, you had to go inside um, we have to go physically in Payatas to teach daycare students over there not yeah. in your school yeah the students who go to my school are mostly from grade one to six so they kind of spend five years of their saturdays in our school and they have the choice to go or not and for the ones that we teach physically in payatas these are daycare students uh they range from at least four to seven years old so they're much younger mm, okay, okay, okay and going back to this one boy that i've been teaching since i was fourth grade before actually coming here in uwc i received a message from him and he told me i just wanted to say that i already graduated sixth grade wow that some that message was when i found out that i love volunteering that i love leadership and i think it was this week when there was one teacher who told me when you find your passion go for it so i've always been not i've always been so unsure of what i want to do for university but i know that i want to work after i want i know that after university i want to work for big organizations such as unicef and un and i'm looking for courses now that will give me this access because getting that message from him i did not know that it was that special for him because it was only at least like as um it was like three or four saturdays of my whole school year and getting that message of him saying that i already graduated sixth grade I'm really thankful for you for teaching me and I hope to see you again. And I actually did not know that he remembered my name. Because hmm. when I was in seventh grade, I don't really have much time to teach him and his whole grade in school because I'm now going physically to Payatas. And when he said that I wanted to say thank you, I felt a big relief on myself and I actually it was very heartwarming that what I do has even though it's just one person at least it has a big impact on one's life. Yeah. It it was such it was a, such a life-changing message for me and looking back I 
actually thought of him the first time I saw him. He was really shy and he did not know like how to talk to us and it's normal for them to kind of feel intimidated. Sometimes I feel they think that they're forced to be there, I feel. Mm -hmm. <laughs> But over time when we try to talk to them like in a more friendly way, we try to be like we try um we try not to put ourselves like in a teacher student's relationship. I want them to think of us like ate or kuya. Ate or kuya is a big sister or a big brother, someone that's just helping them for the lessons or things that they want to learn about. Uh, it's. I like that idea. I, I I really. I actually had a discussion with a friend this week about that. The fact that. Um, when I chose to study to become a teacher, I, I, and I love the French language. I'm a French teacher and I studied to become a French teacher. That's my degree. However, I know that ultimately it's an excuse for me to be an educator. That's something that, that drives me to be with uh, younger people and mm. explore the world mm. with younger people. That's really what drives me. So that's why I like outdoor education. That's why I mm -hmm. like some service projects or drama I've been mm -hmm. involved in. And the boarding house is like yeah. the main yeah, core, like a, a central place for this to happen. We live together. Let's just live together, you know? Yes. And, um, so, yeah, I love to teach my language, but I, what you said about this boy writing to you a letter to share an accomplishment and he wanted you to know it that's when you have that relationship it's not like student teacher whatever yes. it's like human to human a demonstration of appreciation and we say this teachers that it's, it's the real paycheck in, in the end it's so satisfying for the soul it's when you know that Once you leave each other, yes. there's this uh, reconnaissance, this uh, recognition of yes. one another with a high level of respect. And that doesn't leave. Yeah. You know, that it stays with us. So what about teaching for you, by the way? I'm, I'm just <laughs> I know you mentioned uh, yeah. the organization, being involved in bigger organizations. But um, yeah, how, what's your relationship with... Uh, education and teaching um i've i have never been really close to children a lot but ever since i started this the first time i actually loved the feeling of teaching these children whenever they actually get what i'm talking about and they like because for me what i um teach mostly was mathematics so it was kind of really hard for me to sometimes get across my my point and what I'm teaching but whenever like they say oh I already get what you're talking about and then they give out examples for for them to show that they got it like for example oh two times three double be six 
it's always it's always really fun to see these children learning also because i myself spends a lot of time studying it's it's <laughs> it takes up some of my time but then seeing these children learn it is very satisfying mm-hmm. and it warms my heart because i can share what i know it doesn't just comes through with my exams it's not the end point will not be my grades right i think the beauty of teaching is that you actually let people know more about this knowledge that you have and teaching for me it is a great way for me to connect to people because when you teach you also talk to them and sometimes like these conversations they go to one way or another and you actually start to learn more about each student as you go along the way and it's necessary i mean to to uh, bridge that gap between uh, teachers and students i believe it's the responsibility of the teacher to set a space to set parameters where this is allowed the yes. exchange is allowed about teaching i never considered that i'm the possessor of knowledge yes you know like i am wrong mm-hmm. there's so many things i don't know you know the more you learn the the more you know that you 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 don't know <laughs> like the the more you learn the less you actually know yes the, you realize that the less you know anyway this to say that creating a, um a type of interaction where the student feels valued in 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 the capacity to learn or to how can i say this i think back in the days i found it hard myself when i was a, a student mm-hmm. to to be in the presence in a classroom of a teacher that acted as if they need to know and mm-hmm. they need to show that they know so yes. like they kind of have something mm-hmm. to prove you know i love it when a student mm-hmm. just tells me off about something like and, <laughs> and i'm not gonna name people here but <laughs> it's just and it's always an opportunity for me to say like yeah i mean i'm the teacher but there's times where i'm wrong and there's times where i make mistakes it's not that's not what matters let's use these examples to show that okay how do we over- overcome the mistake now do i do i go against you and say like no no whoa, whoa, whoa. like you're the student <laughs> yeah. you know what does it show what does it show mm-hmm. to the people in the classroom that oh because i'm the teacher i'm supposed to tell you off about you telling me off mm-hmm. no we're humans yeah. you know and i like these uh, the fact that you call yourselves uh, big brothers and big sisters this is uh, kuya and ate ate yes it's so nice I like to call myself the big bro in the boarding house, as <laughs> <Yep>. you know. <laughs> But anyway, um, it's yeah, it's. Uh, I'm really um, glad to hear about a project like this today. Yes. It's it's um, makes me optimistic. Tell me, um, what about the public schools in the Philippines? I'm curious. Um, what's their role in this? 
um, the public schools in the Philippines are they have a really big class sizes. I know because my mom used to be in public schools and she she loves to tell her stories. Um, in one class of like a little little classroom, there will at least be sixty to eighty students in there, and one all of teacher. yes, with one teacher, and all of these students are cramped up with in one little classroom, and the books that they have, it's not enough. It's always not enough for these children, because it's not just one class of sixty to seventy. Sometimes it goes up until twenty classes. 30 classes and it's those numbers are always from 60 to 80 and the resources for example books paper it's always it's always not enough and if you go to um, the public schools itself you can see that the books that they use sometimes it's all teared off there's so many scribbles because these children have to share it with themselves Mm -hmm. My mom used to tell me that sometimes at least 10 students will actually share for one book. And this is something that I hope my country looks for um, and give money and funds because I think it is also essential to not forget the children. There's one phrase that I always used to... um, I used to be a writer in the Philippines. I'm a Filipino writer. And there's one term for the children, which is pag-asa ng bayan. Pag-asa ng bayan means the future of... Uh, I mean, pag-asa ng bayan means um, the hope of the future and the community. These children will be the ones who will take part of the future. And they, are, they will be the ones who will be taking the lead for the next generations. And I think that it is always essential, hopefully, for our Department of Education to actually give funds for these students to have enough resources. Especially like if you're cramped up, cramped up in one room with 60 students, there should at least be there should at least be a certainty that you at least will have a notebook for yourself. But this is is not always the case. And since these public schools have so many students, it's always hard for just one teacher to actually keep track of all of them. I mean, I never lived it, but having a classroom of... 24 25 grade 3 4 that's like something i had before mm-hmm. man the <laughs> and, and it's not my like my the age group i'm mm-hmm. comfortable teaching i i prefer to teach older students yes. because of the, the subject mm-hmm. i teach that's that's why i am um but having 20 yeah let's say 25 kids primary kids oh my god i i i came out of there burnt like i because yeah. i i mean it was me also trying to give it the attention where yes. it was needed right but then and that was periods of 40 minutes you know mm-hmm. i'm not 
and I'm not complaining. I'm just thinking mm-hmm. of the fact that that's how I felt yeah. with this little challenge compared to spending the whole day yeah. with a group of 60 to 80 students in a classroom. You're alone and you need to produce knowledge. Uh, sorry, learning mm-hmm. to produce learning. Wow. <laughs> yep. So what do you um what would be your comment about a society that prioritizes or does not prioritize education? Um I think it is very um I think it's a waste of time to not prioritize <laughs> education because these children are literally the ones who will continue and these children should be given a chance to learn for themselves and to actually learn and have an experience on education and I think that education itself is a necessity that each person each person should have and for a society that does not focus on education it's basic like for me it's also like not caring for your people too like that's mm. kind of what i think it will be for me yeah i guess i go in the same lines where it's a priority you know i come from a place where there is a lot a lot more invested in health yeah. than education there is a considerable portion that is dedicated to yes. education but in many ways we see that health hospitals is uh, there's more money going there i understand yes. it's just that for me i'm like you know the more educated people are the less we need to rely yes. on the health system you know like mm-hmm. In, in order to be proactive, yep. there needs to be a shift. I'm not saying like it's not mm-hmm. important. I'm not saying we, we you know, we, we don't, we can't pay the teachers, yes. the, the, the doctors properly. Yes. But the discrepancy is, is, is huge. You know, there's, there are doctors who are paid 10 times more than teachers. Yes. That's huge. And 10 times more. Yep. You know, like your your salary at the end of the mm-hmm. month is either $3,000 or $30,000. Mm-hmm. There's, I mean, I see, I'll say it. You know what? I'll say it. I see a problem there. Yeah. And I'm not speaking, I have friends who are doctors. <laughs> they're going to hear me. And I know they know me and they understand what I mean. Mm-hmm. It's just that. It tells a lot about the society. Yes. It, I actually hear you. Sometimes whenever I have these conversations, it's always a big mystery for me on why like teachers are paid very low. This is also a big problem that I've encountered in the Philippines. In private schools, you will actually think that teachers will be paid more. But every year, there's always tens of teachers that are resigning and whenever I ask them like it's not enough like 
the work that we're having we think that we're not being paid enough there's always like this minuses in their salaries that are so big and their salaries already so low and if they have this minuses in their salary for example for being late for wow not okay yeah okay sorry carry on and then penalties yes penalties and then they also have tax that yeah. will be minus from their own salaries they always tell me that it's just so little and it is one big problem and also like they sometimes they go to public schools because at least it will be financed by the government but for people who are in public school for the students who are in public schools for students and children who are in payatas sometimes i what i see that is the main problem in the society and the government itself is that sometimes people who try to run for a seat in the senate or a seat in the government they sometimes romanticize poverty and what do you mean by romanticize po- poverty they use poverty to um uh, advertise themselves there's a oh. lot of advertisements in the philippines that that you can see like this children and they're always promising they're, they 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 are using this children to advertise that if i win they will have enough education they will have the money but i think that if you can do it even without the position then why then why do you have to wait for you to win to actually give these people what they deserve to have which is education hmm. and sometimes i think that it is not right to use these people to advertise yourself it is one of the biggest sometimes it's one of the biggest joke and it's one of the biggest problems whenever it's election um uh, it's time for election in the philippines which is also coming very soon it will be okay. next year so i've seen some advertisements go up already and it's always the same it's always these people that they use and it, sometimes it's just tiring because if these people are already aware that education is a problem healthcare is a problem that poverty is the problem then why do they take so much time and why will it take for them to be voted in that position for them to actually take some action mm. hmm. yeah that's a big question and i'm going to challenge you here with a question and it's not to undermine it like it's it's just a, a reflection because you mentioned earlier that you you aspire to work for uh, bigger organizations like unicef and the un do you think that and i'm going to name maybe another like world vision okay. uh, save the children there's many yep. many big organizations that um work in different countries in the world do you, do you think that there is this uh, mechanism happening also with them 
where they they use causes to get funding or any other benefit even by using advertisement and by that i mean pictures of of yeah. children to sensitize uh, to kind of create an emotion for people mm. to consider them like okay they're they're doing something great you know they to create an image right Do you think these organizations do that? And if they do or if they don't, you know, why? Um, I think for these organizations, they do it because that is what they stand for. And yeah, like these organizations, this is what they work for. This is what they're working for. They have a certain goal that, for example to give education to give more life bags to give more education for these students and for me that's okay because i actually see what they're fighting for and i i actually and i could actually see what they want but for example for like some people who are running in the senate people listen and mm. but The big problem is that after they actually win, do we actually see? Yes. Okay. There's um, the difference might be that because uh, the UN and UNICEF, uh, Lequin, that's one that I'm saying in French. There's organizations that are very political. Yes. So of course there's a similar mechanisms happening from a government to an organization however what i hear from what you're saying is that there's a coherence at least in yep. the organizations where they okay yes they, they use advertisement mm -hmm. maybe in the same way but um there we see the result of their work yes. there's something happening with this mission whereas in politics in the philippines what you seem to describe is using it as a rhetorical tool yes. to be elected. And then once you're elected, you get what you actually wanted. Mm -hmm. What you actually wanted might not be to help the, the people in Patayas. It's just to be elected. Yep. So it ends at the moment where you're yeah. elected. Welcome to politics. <laughs> I know. <laughs> no, I mean, I know people who do great politics, but, yeah. but we see that a lot, mm -hmm. definitely. Yep. Hmm. Thank you for sharing that example. I see mm -hmm. what I, wh when I hear this, I'm referring to my world, where I come yes. from. And as I said earlier, it, it brings perspective in the sense that I am very critical about my system of education in my country and the way it works with with reason i, I have r mm -hmm. the right to be critical but it's just when i hear this which is not in movies mm -hmm. it's happening for real it's not yep. just in an advertisement it's happening yes. for real it's just to to build a speech in which we're not saying like our situation is the most terrible yes. i can't believe like the government is putting us in this uh inacceptable okay 
we do i know that in the system of education in quebec which is the one i know mm -hmm. the most well i i, I know mm -hmm. more about uwc I, i think now but the one i come from at least there are many things to improve but there is there's quite a strong foundation mm -hmm. where yeah the group size in some schools go beyond what it's supposed to be so the maximum legally speaking yes. i believe it, it used to be 35 i don't mm -hmm. know if it's still this it might have reduced and there was like classes of 40 in some exceptional situations but like there's a difference between 35 40 and 80 yes you know yep. um and it's not the the common rule yep and so it's just it just helps me uh, rationalize a bit the, the the idea okay this is what we we did that's what we did good now how can we improve without just being constantly victims here and mm. in french we say s'apitoyer sur son sort like it's more okay, let's be proactive let's be optimistic you know mm. And so I thank you for for sharing this example, which I I hope some people in in maybe more privileged societies can hear and say like, hmm, yeah, maybe we can even take example mm -hmm. of your school. Yeah. Your, by, by the way, the school you went to, mm -hmm. which I think is a great way to uh, to bring diversity. Yes in an ecosystem of uh, of support and collaboration and festivity and mm -hmm. you know it's not just a, oh you're poor we're giving you something and then like hands are clean yeah. i did what i had to do no no it's like a real consistent uh support yeah. that brings that brings people together yeah I like that. Yeah. And this experience for me was really reflective. I think that I've learned so much, even though it's just a couple of Saturdays in my life. This experience actually was the one who opened my eyes that there's still a reality that's happening beside me and in my community around. And... When I started working in this place, I've learned more about the world and I saw a different Philippines from mm. what I used to look at before. And I hope that this inspire a lot of students and a lot of people who would actually who will listen to this podcast that sometimes for you to sometimes like this problems they have always been around and mm. for you to actually see it for you to relate to it sometimes the best thing to do is to approach it and actually recognize that there is a world out there that people are forgetting and that these buildings that these tall buildings that we have there's always there's always like and there's always a space that it's hiding 
there's a place that it's you know there's always something underneath the, yes. the shadow or the shade created by um, these tall buildings i like that expression by the way it's it's a very nice an analogy which is more than an analogy actually it's it's what a city is and you bring such an important um something i, I reflect a lot about the concept of the bubble the mm -hmm. bubbles in which we live that happens within our societies so being you know be living growing up in a certain neighborhood going to a certain school um playing in a certain league mm -hmm. all that in the exp in the expatriate community i see mm -hmm. that a lot people who go live somewhere else and create mm -hmm. a bubble of they're trying you know th this uh, attempt to reproduce home mm -hmm. in another country mm -hmm. happens and so in some of these bubbles there is a little to no interaction with mm. the people of the country yeah. they 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 live in yeah and um it requires a conscious effort to yes. say i'm breaking the bubble or i'm going out of the bubble and i'm you know mm -hmm. here learning thai and knowing you know yeah. knowing just the basics yeah. which doesn't it doesn't require such a big effort And it certainly is appreciated, and it's mm -hmm. something that you know that if you do, is gonna please the hosts, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, and <clears throat> the, the this project that you're, you guys are doing show you the the project shows you at a very young age mm -hmm. break the bubble. Yep. see what the reality is in these streets you know? true. you're in the building but the streets are there around the building yes. and things are happening here's you know interact with that yes. that world and i think that there's always information about those streets and you you just really have to have the initiative To actually go and see it for yourself because mm. there will always be an opportunity and for these people there's always a stereotype that is sticking with them but these stereotypes are most of the time wrong right because these people are also humans too when i actually first heard of it i was very scared Because mm. there's always that stereotype that these people, they are, they're rude, they are loud. They will you you don't have you should not wear accessories with them because they will take it. But when I saw them and when I actually met them, these are also people that who also wants to learn. It's just that that opportunity is not that much available for them because they're bigger things there are a lot more responsibilities that is waiting for them yeah exactly and they live in uh, different realities and i always think that whenever meeting these people whenever hearing stories from them it will always be different but you should always come with an open mind here in 
our school in UWC, I was able to work with Banya Literacy Center, which is BYLC. And at first, I thought it was just students who are also in poverty. But when I heard their stories, and when I actually asked, it is more of that. These students are actually Burmese students who also doesn't have the enough resources and opportunity for them to go to um, schools and have their own education. And it is somewhat similar to what I have in the Philippines that you always that you have to take the initiative for these students because they also want to learn yeah. that even though like for some they know that they have to work but we always have to remember that they're also children who has their own hopes and dreams yeah. own hopes and dreams for themselves and not each children will have the enough um strong mentality like because i think like it's really hard for sometimes it's hard to be struck to this reality and it will take time for these children to actually process what is happening and what is true Mm. so it is always good to come with an open mind and be able to be open to understand what they have and what they want because they are also children who want to learn they are not any different from us just because they're under the poverty they're also that they're already working these children are also the same as us yeah but just living in a Different. different context yeah Thank you for saying this and thank you for your sensitivity towards um, the other with the capital yes. O. And I, by that I mean I, I know you're interested in approaching someone who's different and you have, I mean, you have strong social skills. I know that <laughs> because I know you and I appreciate that you invest these skills in meeting the other. And that curiosity that you have combined with the skill is is a solution, is the solution. You know? And yeah, I acknowledge that you're doing this and I just feel like saying, keep it up. Thank you. <laughs> Let's go to the DYB questions. DYB for do you believe? Yep. Shout out to our friend Bamlak who <laughs> got the idea. And I mention her in every episode because mm-hmm. she deserves a mention. She's Bamlak. She's Bamlak. <laughs> yeah. She's my roommate. <laughs> right. And um, so Bamlak came with this idea of uh, the, do you believe? She asked this to a, a boarding staff, mm-hmm. just random do you believe? And mm-hmm. I asked her if I could take this idea for the podcast. Mm-hmm. So that's what we're doing. I'm, I'm giving you Bumlax medicine. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so random, do you believe questions? You answer as you please. Okay. Do you believe in science? Yes. 
science is kind of what the main kind of a good foundation that humans have because it's being used to study a lot of aspects it's not just about internal things such as cells for um for me i'm taking ess which is environmental studies and societies and i'm looking into what are the environmental impacts of both humans and uh environmental impacts on both humans and the environment itself and science has a lot or a wide scope and yep i believe in it cool do you believe in do you believe in music yes music is for me is a fun way to connect with people it's a fun way to be able to communicate and be able to feel what your emotions are it's it's a good way to have fun with yourself music for me is very very special whenever i'm happy whenever i'm sad whenever i feel whenever i need socializing sometimes i knock to some of my uh the doors of my friends here sometimes even my roommates and we just have random parties listening to good music sometimes it's sad whatever we feel like it mm. Mm. i love music too <laughs> every day every All day, day. <laughs> do you believe in charity Mm, charity uh mm, i don't know do you know do yeah, you know yeah, yeah. Mm. it's a complex question yeah it is <laughs> um yes um there are a lot of types of charity for me and it comes in a lot of comes in a lot of directions for example or donations um for me i work in five star marine we're in we give out life bag packages to people who are affected of the pandemic here in thailand and i believe that is one type of charity and charity is for me is something that can be given to other people to help them in a lot of aspects Yes. What do you believe in? That's the final question. What do you believe in? I believe um I believe in people. I believe that each people will have will, I believe that each people have their own contributions to the world and these contributions will be able to give out a lot of perspectives. and help and i believe in people because i know what a cap what's the capability of one person and i believe in people because i know that they will be able to make the change that the world needs and it's yeah it's i like the optimism Thank you. Thank you for that. 
And thank you for sharing today. It's really appreciated. And I know you. I hope it, uh, people will hear that. The, 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 the kind and altruistic, if that's a word in English, altruist, <laughs> maybe not. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe it's not. A failed attempt <laughs> of translation. I'm tired. It's, it's been a long day. But um, someone who's uh, going to the others to the other someone who does not you're you're quite selfless i think is a is a word that i want to use here and you i know that you bring joy to the people around you it was quick as soon as i got here and i saw your interaction with people there was this recognition for who you are and the the positivity that you bring to the people thank you Um, how do we say okay your your mother tongue is Filipino Filipino yes Tagalog is um, Filipino is what I think we call it okay it's it's actually both the same it's Filipino and Tagalog okay whatever you would okay. like okay because I said Tagalog <laughs> earlier before the podcast I think mm-hmm. And then you said Filipino, so yeah, it's the same. Which which one should I use? Um, fi- whichever. Okay, f- you use Filipino. Yeah. Can I use Filipino? Yes. Okay. So how do you say thank you in Filipino? Salamat. Salamat. Yes. Salamat. Thank you. <laughs> Mercy. <laughs>